the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Happy that you're with us. Uh, we had a great day today at the uh, was it the thirteenth annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon at Heinz Field. Kath, love the day. Back. Great to see uh, so many hundreds and hundreds of pastors from the Pittsburgh area. Um, heard an absolutely terrific, terrific talk by Philip DeCourcy, and doesn't he have a cool accent? Oh, he sure does. Yeah, he really brought it though. I mean, he really did. It was really love Philip DeCourcy. Really wonderful. So we thank him a lot for that. Yes. Um, and it was a gorgeous day in Pittsburgh. Oh, was it? We, ever. we posted a video. We we took one before the event today. It's on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Did you tweet it out, Mike? Did not tweet it. It's okay. On Facebook. Okay. All right. It's on our Facebook page. All right. It's on our Facebook page. So find us there. Right. So there we were at an empty Heinz Field. Mm-hmm. Which, if the Steelers even, continue, it may be Would that you way. Pipe it down. <laughs> Why is he so? Pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic. He's so dark. Anyway. All right. uh, Let me ask you this. Speaking of dark. Yes. Last night, um, as I am wont to do, and this is probably not a good character trait or good practice that I'm involved in, is somewhere around 9 or 10 o'clock I get on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So I've 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 made dinner for my family. You know, we've cleaned up the dishes. Sure. I'm kind of settling down or whatever. So I think probably the way to relax in an evening is just to look oh, at some Twitter. You know better than that. <laughs> it's a do horrible do idea. Because I do horrible. this at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> which is really <laughs> which is worse. You know, it's kind of like a cup of Ovaltine. Just yeah. put, put you to sleep nice and easy. <laughs> so I start looking at Twitter, and somewhere around maybe ten o'clock, mm-hmm. I start seeing all of these tweets. Absolutely. Filled with disgust at President Trump for his mocking of Dr. Ford. Dr. Ford, Christine Blasey Ford, who testified about uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh last week. And I thought to myself. Oh, no. Uh, oh, wait, no. So this was yesterday. This was last night. The president was in Mississippi. Right. He was at a, he was at a rally, campaign rally. And, uh, so, you know, stumping for local Democrats. Or yeah. No, <laughs> no. Local Republicans Thank you. in Mississippi. And. Uh, and I was just reading tweet after tweet after tweet, and I thought to myself, why, why would he do that? This is injurious to an FBI report that we're all waiting for. This is injurious to a, a debate over uh, two different opposing stories. But most of all, it's injurious to a person, whether you agree with her or politically, or you are perhaps like I am, just not certain if she's really gotten her story straight whatever it is why would you possibly be mocking her yes but so wait. i went so i went to bed angry there's more i went to bed angry i woke up this morning and i thought to myself literally well you know before you get too far down this road you should probably listen to what the president said That's still angry though i was still angry so i listened to it mike shouldn't happen to him what he's going through 36 years ago this happened i had one beer Right? I had one beer. Well, do you think it was... Nope, it was one beer. Oh, good. 
How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What neighborhood was it in? I don't know. Where's the house? I don't know. All right. Upstairs, downstairs, where was it? I don't know. But I had one beer. That's the only thing I remember. All right. So I'm still of the opinion that the president shouldn't have talked about it. But that, to me, and you know, if you listen to the show at all, that I have not been a defender of the president. But that's not mocking her. No. Do you think it's mocking her? Had you heard that before just I now? I have not heard it before. Had you read the Twitter? I had read the Twitter feed about the president's comments. I guess, you know, if you are a, a Democrat or, you know, to go after it. So the Democrats are saying... This is totally and completely uncalled for, untoward, that you're going after an alleged victim. And it would be better if you would just shut up about it. Yes. Right? Because what you've done now is you've injured the party all over again. Mm -hmm. A victim of sexual assault has been injured again by the president of the United States calling someone out. Did you feel like he was mocking her? No, I don't think he was mocking her. Um, I don't think he talked about her in the highest of uh, terms. No, I don't think he. I, I don't think he did either. But I also don't think that his comments, which were off the cuff, which is when he always gets into trouble. Right. I don't think his comments that were off the cuff were nearly nowhere near nowhere near as injurious. I agree. As the the tw- Twitter storm that yep. erupted last night. But it's a very good lesson that you 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 should always go to original source material source, sure. and not just trust a wave of emotion or outrage that is going on. Online. But see, the president doesn't do himself any favors by speaking on no, this. No, he, he should not just be, be quiet. That's about That's why it. he shouldn't have spoke. It was it was not part of the speech, as I understand it. It was off the cuff, and he shouldn't have done it um, because it just doesn't doesn't need any commentary right now, and he can only hurt the situation. But. All I'm saying is I fell for the social media outrage train sure. last night. And I, by the time I went to bed, I was so hacked off at the president. How could he weigh in on this? That's the last thing we need. This is hard enough for everybody, blah, 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 without <laughs> ever knowing exactly what happened. But I guess what you're saying is here, there's a sliding scale. Because if that would have been President Obama or President Bush – People would have been nutsoidal. But because the president has done this in the past, spoken out of turn on other cases, or he has minimized people or mocked people, which is on record he has. Oh, for sure. And of course, that's, the people yeah. have been, that's, I guess that's what I mean is that it, you, we know what it sounds like when Donald Trump mocks somebody. Yeah. And I don't think this, good. I don't think this was that. I really don't. And I, I'm indicting myself by telling the story because it's just, it was so easy for me to read what I read in social media and make a conclusion without ever finding out if that was the real story. And I wonder if that's what's happening with this Kavanaugh story as a whole. Oh, I, I think you're spot on there. I think people are just listening to their own people group talk about stuff online and they're just not going back to the original source material either they didn't see last wednesday's hearing thursday's hearing or they haven't gone back and read the rachel mitchell report to uh the gop side of the judiciary committee or whatever it is i just think that people are not talking based on information they're just talking based on outrage motivation right now we were talking to a young man last week i believe off air uh, for a future series we're going to do and we said to him 
Where where do you get your news source from? What did he say? Twitter. Yes. So if you're relying on Twitter as your primary news source, I mean, I remember growing up and reading, you know, in detail, long articles from United Press International. API. Right. Associated Press. All those which were verified. Reuters News Service. Which all that. BBC. We, right. We used to think was just, you know, just the facts, man. Right. But now we get our information from secondary or third or fourth sources, which have layers of just bias. Yeah, and opinion Deep, and bias. vitriol. Right. So that's what people are growing up on. People are feeding on. Now, if you're in the business that we're in the business, which is you know partially the news business in some way, we're, dri- we're diving a lot deeper than most people. So you're looking at a, a whole mm-hmm. different array of – Yeah, but for – for someone who has as their job the deep dive, which is what my job is supposed to be, even I fell for that last night. Because I fell for it because it's, sp- our emotions spike. I'm telling you, I heard this online months and months and months ago, is that outrage is an amphetamine and we just feed off of it. Mm. And when we get outraged, angry, point at that people group, point at that person, it helps us to feel better about us. It gives us a lift. So we want to keep doing it. I'm telling you, it is a poison. We think we're we're feel we're helping ourselves to feel better, and I really feel like slowly we're killing ourselves. Outrage is an amphetamine. Yep. That's a great phrase. Okay. I mean, so that's that. So we're waiting for an FBI report that we hope should drop tomorrow, should drop maybe, and it's just going to be facts, hopefully, right? Who's to say and, what it's going to be at this point? And all I can say is for all of the people, and I was one of them. I think you were too. That by the time we were halfway through the Kavanaugh hearing, we thought, I thought, well, we're going to have to get an FBI investigation because mm-hmm. no one's going to be satisfied, and this is always going to be a tainted confirmation if we don't get one well now we're having an fbi investigation and the things i'm starting to hear now are well wait it's not sweeping enough it's you know it's too restricted right and i thought oh, okay now come on like are we we're just there's a segment of america that is never ever ever going to be happy never going to think we got the whole story and no matter what we find out is always going to think he's guilty no doubt Right, but it wouldn't matter if it was a, an additional week or an additional month. I don't month. think it would matter. I think it would just churn, yep. churn, churn. I think that's more just finger the way it pointings. is. Uh-huh. The hope is, and this is the weird thing is that as the FBI re- releases their report, it will be as Joe Friday used to say, "Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts." But what are those facts, and who are those facts delivered to, and then how are they disseminated? They're not going to be disseminated to the public. So, what will the Senate do then? And will we? Will the public ever get to see those? I, I don't think the public's going to get to see the I FBI report, but I cannot. All, pretty much every detail of them has got to be leaked. Well, through it's got to be. But People are going to lose their minds if they don't know what's in that thing. Look, all news media is going to want to see those reports. So through Freedom of Information Acts, eventually they'll be released. Will they be released next week, next well, month? I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure how what how the Freedom of Information Act would apply. But Mitch McConnell has already said that they're not going to be released to the public. That's surprising. And the it's Clarence a disservice. Tom, I don't it's think a disservice. The, but I don't think the Clarence Thomas and Nita Hill, that investigation was – I mean, there have oh, – it's hard to actually remember back to four weeks ago. But 
the Senate Judiciary Committee, you know, they have their own investigators that have already investigated all of this. Right. But in an age I mean, of they've leaks. they've already done that. So I'd, I wonder if there's going to be absolutely zero new information. I can't imagine. No, no. There has to be. Because Mark Judge, Mark Judge has been interviewed now. So it's clear, Mark Judge is going to say, has said something. Is he going to say anything different than what he, I don't know. But in an age of, look, we're here because of leaks, are we not? We sure are. Right. Because of Dianne Feinstein, maybe herself or her office, all this could have been avoided. All of this exactly. could have been adjudicated privately. Dr. Ford never had to testify in person. We didn't have to have that gigantic circus of last week. Which we continues. could have avoided all of that. And it, fr- from all I can see, it was just done for politics. Yep. There's no doubt about it. Okay. That's our take today. <laughs> Emails. I'm exhausted. Kathy at Listen, I'm going to have to take the rest of the show off and lie down in a corner. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to go from um, the frying pan to the fire. Mm-hmm. Because we've got a psychiatrist with us next. Uh, Dr. John Nelson will be with us in private practice as a psychiatrist for over 36, 36 years. Mm-hmm. He is looking at the Catholic sex abuse scandal, the PA grand jury report, from a very interesting perspective. And challenging us to yes. do the same thing. Stick around. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Dr. John Nelson in just a few minutes. Stay with us. WORD. If what you're saying to your kids isn't working, it may be time to try something new. On the next Focus on the Family, you'll learn how to respond calmly when your child sins and when their tone is angry, rude, or whiny, and how to combat your own negative self-talk with scriptural truth. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance Program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. Why a classical Christian education? Because kids learn differently at different ages. Through grammar, we grasp the building blocks of knowledge. Logic teaches how those building blocks relate. Then rhetoric helps us communicate what we know. For over 50 years, Trinity Christian School has intentionally applied this classical approach to education with great success. It's just one reason why they're consistently ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. Trinity Christian School. 412-242-8886. There has been, of course, much written about the PA Grand Jury Catholic Church sex abuse report and the ensuing scandal and all the opinions that go forth from that. But uh, recently in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, our next guest, Dr. John P. Nelson, uh, he wrote 
I wouldn't call it an editorial. I would call it what? What would you say it is? It was an, to me, it was an informational piece. Um, a lot of insight. Which allowed me to understand that how we see, understand, and talk about sexual abuse today is vastly different than what happened 40 years ago. Yes, and so we've invited Dr. Nelson to join us on the air. He's live with us in studio. Dr. John Nelson, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Dr. Nelson, um, John and I have talked many, many, many hours on the air about the Catholic sex abuse scandal. With many guests. With many guests. um, And we've been very hard on the diocese, and we've been hard on the Catholic Church in general. Um, and we feel a sense of the same thing everyone else feels, which is a sense of outrage and, and you know, bewilderment that this could possibly happen. Um, your article was the first I had read that helped me to understand that maybe my judgments have been too harsh. Hmm. Now, I know people are listening and they're about to drive off the road saying, oh, my gosh, you know, Kathy, what has possibly happened to you? But I want to let you tell the story um, so that maybe it gives us a fuller, more honest perspective of how we understand sexual abuse. Um, so can we start at your graduation from Harvard's medical school? What year was that? Uh, 1967. Okay, 1967. <clears throat> so when you graduated from med school um, and you were just about to start your residency in psychiatry? Well, I went to National Institute of Health first for a few years. Okay. Or, or two, two years. Okay. So when you did that, what, between your med school and heading into your residency and your training, how much conversation was there about sexual abuse? I don't think I recall any. I, uh, I spent a number of Saturdays with the famous psychoanalyst and so, several others of my of my classmates, first and second year, mm-hmm. uh, have, seeing cases interviewed by him uh, at some length and then talking about the cases. Back in those days, that was easy to do. And I don't remember any coming up explicitly as sexual abuse. So all the conversation we've had about sexual abuse over the last couple of decades, that did not exist. Why? I think, as I mentioned in my paper, that uh, uh, the Freudian notion that a lot of this was fantasy left over from childhood uh, and not real reporting was still predominant. Freud had changed his mind. He initially thought that that, uh, many of his cases reflected sexual abuse, and he was was scorned for that and had a lot of bad publicity from that, as I mentioned in my paper. Mm -hmm. And I think he uh, backed off and decided, well, these are probably cases of fantasy uh, primitive child fantasy. So they weren't things that actually happened. That's what seems to have been his position at that point, and that seems to be what was uh, what was taught for a long time. Um, so when so when you were in med school, when you had your psychiatry uh, rotation, mm-hmm. uh, your third year, your fourth year, was anything about sexual abuse ever mentioned? I don't recall any classes on the subject or any wow. real interviews of people who had been sexually abused. Uh, I did take one rotation in child psychiatry, probably the third year of my my residency, and there was a child an- analyst there who interviewed you know, in front of a glass window, as they often do, and uh, he seemed to be dealing with a, a little girl and making, it was a silent interview, I mean, he was with play therapy, yeah, and he seemed to be hinting at, at, at that issue, he was playing with a, a doll and putting his fingers between her legs and things like that and, and seemed looking for the reaction of the child. So I think he was probably evaluating for that. But he never talked about it afterwards. It was just, it was just uh, something I observed. 
So in your article, Dr. Nelson, you talk about that, whether it was the psychiatric community or society at large. Or the police community even. That people could not understand the depths of the trauma that sexual abuse could cause. This was not even known or discussed. As far as I know, that's correct. I mean, it's obviously a statistical question. There may be there sure. may have been people like child psychiatrists who saw these cases differently than I did. Uh, I never did a child residency, and that would much much later, of course. But uh, so you'd have to ask around. And right. I have asked. In fact, I have a friend in Boston who trained, uh, maybe finished his training ten years ago at, at, at Texas uh, Medical School and residency. Mm-hmm. And I asked him the same question. He said, "No, he didn't hear anything either." The same way, my isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, so, and especially if we're looking at Harvard as one of the top medical schools in the country, and so we're thinking, if you didn't hear it as a mm-hmm. med student, if that wasn't something that was part of your training, it probably wasn't part of. I'm assuming that. I, yeah. I, you don't have to ask for yeah. right, sure. right, right. It's a poll. So then in your own private practice, once you establish private practice, mm-hmm. at what point did you start to see people step forward and talk about sexual abuse in their lives or the perpetrators themselves? In terms of patients, uh, I've had a number of patients in the last uh, 20, 25 years uh, who, who gave credible descriptions of their own abuse and the effects it had on them. Um, and I've, I've showed this paper, or the, they read it in the paper, and have uh, been pleased with it. I'm yes. mm-hmm. pleased with my description of the bind that they're in. And so there was a slow awakening to this. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't hard for me to believe when I'd heard it from, firsthand. I'm sure. But uh, I did, never thought it was a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, but it, it is a kind of a revelation of what the difficulty of a child in that situation and how fearful it is for them to even consider what to do about it. So then in parallel with the Catholic Church, because they're tracking along, of course, with the rest of society, but meanwhile, the Catholic Church is aflame with childhood sexual abuse. Behind the scenes. Right. Um, they essentially, I'm sure, whenever these reports first started to come out, they're like the rest of the society. How do you make sense of this? The leadership I'm talking about. Of course, I wasn't one of them, so I, right, I, I know really don't know. But, uh, I mean, it was obviously a terrible problem for the church, and uh, and especially, as I mentioned in my paper, that uh, the church has always stood up for sexual chastity and purity mm-hmm. to uh, Ensure that uh, that human relationships were not unduly influenced by lust or envy or other terrible mm-hmm. passions. Yes, that they were regulated, and that virtues required that people mod- modify or, or restrain, restrain, or constrain. Yeah, their their passions, and that uh, and of course, uh, and of course, it's just as a matter of justice, that children have the freedom to to grow up uh, in a secure situation without being abused physically or emotionally or or certainly sexually, yes. And so it is a tremendous uh, uh, discrepancy between Catholic thought uh, and and this behavior. Right now, there's been a, there's been a lot of uh, finger pointing at Bishop Whirl, Cardinal Whirl, who was here in the diocese of the city, mm-hmm. and of course Bishop Zubik himself. Uh, and going back and reading the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report, which we have done, um, it's. It's so disturbing to read one instance after another of children coming or parents coming to them and trying to explain what happened. And it's not, you know, and I've said this repeatedly, you know, Bishop Zubik has been a good friend of ours. It's not that 
he's portrayed as being uncaring. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. It was that you get the feeling from reading the report that they did not understand the gravity of what was happening. They did not understand that. Or if they did understand it, they did not act in accordance with understanding the gravity of what had happened. And I think the biggest criticism is they shuffled priests from one diocese to another, mm-hmm. right? There were perpetrators who, well, let's put them someplace else. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I guess my question for you, based on that, is for a while, was sexual abuse clinically looked at as the kind of thing that could be overcome? So was could there worldview have included a priest to okay well if he was doing that here that was bad but if i move him to ohio he'll be okay uh well i don't know about that but i think there was a prevailing belief that that people with these tendencies could be treated and they set up these institutions around the country Uh, some of them still exist a lot of them went out of business after 2002 but after those scandals broke in boston but uh but they believed that a six-month course of inpatient treatment, which was really elaborate compared to what most people get mm-hmm. these days, uh, would have a profound effect on these people and that the, that the doctors and social workers and nurses there could make a prudent ju- judgment as to whether these people were trustworthy or not. Yes. And unfortunately, uh, they seem to have been wrong a lot of the time, and especially with those who had abused young children. Uh, it's, it's it's less clear. I mean, a lot of the cases, of course, most of the cases were involved with teenagers, not young children. So that's a point that's not emphasized enough in the press, I think. But uh, people whose personal emotional development was such that they were attracted to little children uh, seemed to be particularly ill <laughs> mentally uh, or characterologically mm-hmm. and were not treatable. That seems to be the final conclusion and a lot of those people have ended up in jail if they're still alive um, for that reason whether people who got involved with teenagers for example who might be physically mature uh, but obviously a, 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 a immature mentally and judgment poor and uh, of course under the under the power of a, an adult figure who is probably respected by them respected by their parents uh it's, that's the powers what they call the power structure problem. It's that uh, it's it's not just like a boss with a secretary or, or right. some other employee. I mean, it's just not a fair. Uh, it's not a consent, real consensual agreement. It can't be. Right. Dr. John P. Nelson is with us. He's a psychiatrist in private practice for more than thirty-six years here in the city of Pittsburgh. We need to take a, a quick break, but uh, Dr. Nelson, when we come back. Let's go into uh, 1992 when you were asked to join a committee by the Diocese of Pittsburgh, because I think that is extremely revealing about the process. Stay with us. This is The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You're listening to Word FM. What are you doing to enhance your marriage? We want to be on the same page. Even when that gets tough. And let's face it, marriage is an up and down. And protect your legacy. One of the greatest gifts that parents can give to their kids is a great marriage relationship. Family Life's Weekend to Remember. It was one of like the best weekends ever. We just want to soak in all this knowledge. It's fun and practical. Immediate help for today. It really helped us. And hope for tomorrow. Because we are fighting. 
all the time. We were struggling and we were looking for anything we could to help. I think there's a perfect balance of laughter and then those really serious moments. The Weekend to Remember is coming to the Pittsburgh Marriott North November 2nd and the 9th. Don't think too hard, just do it because you're going to get something good out of this. Wow, this is really making a difference in our marriage. It's very helpful. So fan those romantic flames and take your marriage from good to great. Visit WeekendToRemember.com. There's so many changes happening in health care today, whether you're talking about Obamacare, Trump care, affordable care, COBRA, whatever they are. Fortunately, I know someone who's been on the forefront of health insurance for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. And he and his team of professionals are fortunately licensed with virtually every health care provider in the country. And so they can help you determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you to choose the best plan for your needs and do so prudently. You don't need maternity coverage. We'll call Marley Financial. Do you have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley. What if you just want catastrophic or just accident coverage? You know the answer. It's Marley Financial. And are you worried about the penalty? Well, all of Marley's financial plans are penalty exempt. And because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So give Todd a call at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496, and find them on the web, marleyfg.com. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Bye, Mom. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. Wendy's 4 for 4 is the deal you can count on every day. No catch, no strings attached, just four items for four bucks. It's the name, 4 for 4. Choose one of eight great options like the double stack, spicy chicken wrap, or junior bacon cheeseburger. And you get four nuggets, fries, and a drink. A full meal for just $4? Only at Wendy's, baby. That's added value multiplied by tons of goodness. Because the 4 for 4 is what you need when you need it. So turn that car around and hit your nearest Wendy's today. Participating Wendy's for a limited time. Meal includes four-piece chicken nuggets, small fries, and small drink. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Got issues with youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit, offers more than a 1,000 free online resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. For all the many years that we've been doing the ride home with Joan and Kathy, both Kath and I really appreciate all the advertisers who've been with us. Grove City College is our newest advertiser, and we are so happy that Grove City is with us. Both of our children attend Grove City, so we, as proud parents of children who attend Grove City College, we say thank you to Grove City College. Partly cloudy tonight, warm and muggy with a low of 67 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, warm and humid. A passing shower for the morning, then a couple of showers and a heavier thunderstorm will be around in the afternoon. High tomorrow, 76. Lingering clouds tomorrow night and cooler, low 49. Friday, periods of clouds and sunshine. 
high 68 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome back. Psychiatrist Dr. John P. Nelson is with us live in studio. He wrote a piece that was published by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette a week or so back. It's certainly a different perspective on the PA Grand Jury Report and the Catholic Child Sex Abuse Scandal. Yeah, and we asked Dr. Nelson to come and join us because, in particular, when I first read um, Dr. Nelson's article, and if you're just joining us, let me go back and reiterate a couple of the elements I think are important to understand. Um, Dr. Nelson wrote uh, this piece in the Post-Gazette chronicling how the understanding of sexual abuse has evolved over the last five or so decades, um, not just in how we in society understand it, but how the medical community understands it clinically, how the police force um, approaches it, how children and youth services have evolved. I, I mean, it's just, it was very helpful to me um, to kind of reorient me in history. Um, at, at the time when some of these abuse stories had happened that we read about in the PA Grand Jury Report of the Catholic Church, um, it helped me to kind of put my head back in that time and try to figure out how abuse was understood or not understood. And I guess that brings me to my question, Dr. Nelson, um, how has your understanding of sexual abuse changed over all these decades of you having your private practice in psychiatry? Yes. uh, Most of it, of course, is from the patients themselves. Yeah. uh, I've heard stories that that, um, people... For example, were abused by somebody in their in their apartment complex by uh, and when they attempted to tell their parent their mother uh, she beat them hmm. uh, because she didn't believe them and uh, and I think that's fairly typical and and, and if, if that doesn't happen actually it happens sometimes virtually because the child will float a balloon or whatever you call it, a, a test balloon, uh, and if nobody picks up on it, they decide this is not safe territory to talk about. And even good good parents, good families can ignore signs that uh, such thing might have happened. Right. A change of mood in the child, a sullenness, a, a withdrawal, um, there may be many signs, but if the parents or somebody doesn't ask them what happened, if there, or if there isn't that trusting bond with the parent already for one reason or another, uh, it could be complex reasons, obviously, uh, the child may not trust them enough to tell them. Or if it's a family member that's abused them, uh, they can imagine terrible consequences as, as, in fact, do happen. Yes. Somebody going to jail, the family breaking up. <laughs> Kids have a vivid imagination. They can pretty well realize or fearing the abuser. Uh, actually, sometimes children are, are, uh, are threatened by the abuser or threatened by, by violence or by, if you tell anybody, I'll kill your mother or, you know, things like that. Of course. Terrible, yeah. terrible threats. So. so all these things, this fear uh, and shame, and especially before this became sort of, and that's the heartbreak, before it became more common in society, families would tend to hide because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And whoever's abused would tend to hide, right? Because, uh, yeah, and of course, if a, if a parent like a mother thought that her child was being abused, again, she's in a bind because... Who's she going to tell? I mean, if it's the f- father doing the abuse, uh, the marriage is over. The police are going to come. Uh, terrible consequences. She may end up in real poverty. Uh, and 
sometimes won't be believed either. Uh, so it's the same kind of bind that the child might be in. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to look at children now as, as smaller children, but in fact, a lot of them are teenagers. Uh, probably most of them are teenagers, but they have the same problems. They're already in a confusing time of life trying to to uh, han- handle their own sexual feelings and their own romantic feelings and, yes. and uh, friendships and all the mm-hmm. other stresses of high school. And then to suddenly find themselves in this kind of a bind is, is a terrible uh, blow to them and a terrible isolating factor yeah and and so you've said in the article that when you graduated from harvard's medical school in 1966 you didn't have a single class on sexual abuse that's correct now for harvard med students that just graduated last year i bet they've had a lot i would hope so but i don't know for sure you know medical school is a very crowded time uh, there's so many topics that faculties fight over the hours that they can get to, to cover different things. I see. Uh, the surgeons will fight for surgical time. The mm-hmm. internists, every every organ has its lobby uh, to be covered. Huh? And uh, sometimes they do it successfully and sometimes they don't. And some, some, some topics get edged out because they just aren't relevant enough to enough people or they pick Perhaps the teachers think they can pick it up on their own or they will get it with experience or from tutoring from their mentors. There's a lot of mentoring going on in medical school. I see. But at least a residency training would look different today than yours did. I would hope so. But as I mentioned before, I talked to somebody who was trained in Southwest Medical School in Texas, a very good one, and uh, he said that he got nothing either. And he he, and he's a recent graduate? He was graduated about 10 years ago. Okay. So that's much closer. That sure is. So let's look back then. Uh, in 1992, you were asked to join a committee of the Diocese of Pittsburgh to study sexual abuse in the church and help to formulate some policies and procedures. So at that time, uh, finally, the church was starting to be proactive. I'm sure there were lawsuits that were percolating and victims were coming forward. Uh, talk about that, about uh, your introduction to that, your invitation. You were invited to join then priest Father Bishop Zubik and others. Uh, yes, can- I'm not sure when he got involved, actually. I, I, I know his name was there in the last memo I have from that meeting. Actually, I, I threw that stuff away a couple of years ago because I thought it was old hat. But uh, but uh, I had one memo left inviting me and him and other people to many of the common people in the diocese still uh, to a final meeting. But Rita Flaherty was also mentioned there, and she was actually hired as a consequence of this meeting. So maybe it may may have been the last meeting that Mm. we had because she was already available. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one of the recommendations was to hire somebody like her. She had been a a social worker at St. Francis Hospital in the emergency room for a number of years and was used to seeing uh, children who had potentially at least been abused and and the er doctors and nurses were probably the first line of defense there for for certainly for rape or other physically abusive things and so she had had some experience with that that's why they hired her i think and she's intelligent woman let's take a quick break uh psychiatrist dr john p nelson is with us we're talking about the diocese here in the city of pittsburgh and of course uh the state of pennsylvania the pa grand jury sexual abuse report and uh, Dr. Nelson's uh, intersection with that and his perspective, which is certainly different than a layman's perspective. So please stay with us. Our conversation continues in just a few minutes.
101.5 WORD. Do you ever feel like giving up on prayer because it seems like yours are never answered? Well, maybe before you give up all hope, you should spend some time examining your life and the effect it has on your prayers because God never promised to listen to everyone's prayers. The Psalms, which we're looking at right now on Through the Bible Radio, teach us some good lessons on living a life that produces powerful prayers. So please join us. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. At Accurate Solutions Group, we do financial and retirement planning, and we think of ourselves as servant leaders. We've been at this for almost three decades now. We know how to identify issues and find solutions that work, but we believe we're also charged to be faithful stewards for our clients. Ethan and I hold to the fiduciary standard in our investment practice. That means every bit of advice, every recommendation must be in our client's best interest, period, end of story. So we put together Retirement Blueprint Solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. We'd love to talk to you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3555, 412-515-3555, or visit ASGRetire.com. I'm Kurt Knudek. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us, at extremetruck.net. In addition to counseling and spiritual direction services, the Pittsburgh Pastoral Institute offers educational opportunities in psychology of religion, domestic violence, spiritual integration, art therapy, addiction, dialectical behavioral therapy, and trauma. Pittsburgh Pastoral Institute offers an interfaith-friendly environment to help heal and educate. Continuing education credits are available. To learn more, click on events at pittsburghpastoralinstitute.org. talking about the PA grand jury sex abuse scandal, the diocese of the city of Pittsburgh. 
with psychiatrist Dr. John P. Nelson, who wrote a really interesting article in the Post-Gazette a week or so back. Dr. Nelson is with us live in studio. So, Dr. Nelson, uh, Harvard trained as a um, as a med student and then Harvard trained in your uh, training in psychiatry and then coming to Pittsburgh in the early 80s. Um, you have seen a lot of decades of psychiatry. And, you know, you just told John and I off the air that you can't make any sweeping social statements because all you do is see who walks in your door. Right. Right. So it's a very limited sample <laughs> right. and, a, and a bias sample. Right. Um, but when you saw the uh, grand jury report come out, you read it. As did. we did, um, you saw it through different eyes because you had seen this societal evolution of an understanding of sexual abuse that John and I hadn't considered. Um, and that's what caused you to want to write this story? Yes. I thought the initial reaction in the press and one thing or another was, was uh, precipitous and unfair in some ways. I mean, they were immediately calling for the heads of all the bishops and everybody else, and I thought that was just not reasonable because I think a lot of them were trying very hard 20 years ago to do what they could to, and in fact did a lot, in fact, set policies in place uh, that I think were quite effective. I don't think it's been clear in the press even to this day uh, what the incidence of abuse has been since then. My guess is it has dropped off greatly. And if you could see when the actual dates of the abuse was, uh, now that's, I think there's still a risk there and it's still a problem in some cases. And I don't know what those are. And probably the ones that were redacted out are the ones that are still right. unclear or at least uh, in process of being evaluated. So, yes. it's, so to be succinct, uh, in your article you wrote this. My caution now is that in the wake of the grand jury report, we not rush to judge those who tried to deal with the painfully difficult issues of sexual abuse at a time when those issues were not well understood, greatly feared, and widely avoided throughout society. Let's not kill the messenger. When the abuse cases of the early 1980s became public, some bishops and other clergy tried desperately to do the right thing, as they did in Pittsburgh. But they were also conditioned by the ignorance that prevailed among medical professionals and the confused relationship between church and civil authorities. And I think that's your message in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, that's the most important part, I think, that, uh, that there was no coordination, as far as I know, between the police and the and the uh, other people who m- might be privy to these charges or these allegations. Uh, and... Uh, and I also mentioned in there there was a long history of canon law, church law, going back to early centuries of Christianity that were modeled on Roman law. And, and they had their own investigatory powers and their own uh, ways of doing things and also designed to protect the reputations of innocent people who were unjustly accused. But also, I mean, just like we're seeing played out right now in the yes. Kavanaugh hearings, I mean, it's very unclear what's going on. And mm-hmm. people ask you what do you think happened? Well, who's to know at this point? I mean, you have to wait and see what comes up. Um, but in any case, um, so the canon law and the church law was, was parallel with, with civil law. And it, there's a whole history of all this sort of thing backed into the Middle Ages of mm-hmm. canon law and civil law sort of competing with each other and trying to figure out where, how they should relate to each other. So yes. I think that was the background. That's, that's my amateur history. That's good. <laughs> but... Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think canon lawyers would be good people to ask what, how they saw it at that point in time, because I mean, that would be, they would know a lot more than I do. Um, so that's one factor. 
I also think that there was optimism back in the 80s and early 90s even uh, that people who had abused children were treatable. And uh, there were institutions set up to do that. One of them, St. Luke's down in Baltimore area, is still active, I think. Mm-hmm. And their their treatment model was to have people move there for six months or so in inpatient setting and very intense psychological therapies and group therapies and that sort of thing. And they would do an evaluation and then rec- recommend back to the bishop or whoever, the clergy people, uh, what they thought. If they thought this person was treatable, that, what, could, could they do anything anymore with their profession were they safe uh, to be at least doing say hospital chaplaincy or or some other clerical role or, or administrative role I should say um, or not or it, it, should they avoid contact with youth completely yes. and generally that's proven to be false that once someone has worked down this path that there is no so-called quote cure well I think that's true for those who abuse young children for those who got involved with teenagers, uh, which, which could be anybody up to 18, uh, I think it's less clear. But I think From a clinical perspective, you I, mean? Yeah, it's best I understand it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's <laughs> clinical perspective and other perspectives sure. that are pretty much the same. Uh, but, um, but anyway, there's a lot of unknowns here. And every case is different. That's the other thing to remember. In medicine, it's very obvious every case is different. And some abuse cases are much worse than others for various reasons and mm-hmm. and uh, some abusers must be very different from each other too and there are sure. some who are certainly serial abusers who go after many many kids uh, they were obviously much more dangerous than others and maybe others might have just done something once uh, and uh, might be very different people huh? so dr nelson how does this work for you obviously you're a person of faith the church itself, I'm sure, has been hurt deeply by this. Mm-hmm. I know amongst my circles, many people say, I'm never going to go back. Uh, I just can't do this. I see these predators, and I see the cover-up and all that. The church is suffering here, uh, but you're offering a cautionary note. Yes, I don't think you should just fire all the bishops, for example. I think that would be unreasonable. <laughs> and you've got to replace them with somebody. Who are, the, who are they going to be? I mean, you know, they may not be any better than the ones we have now. And some of the, I think some of the current bishops are great and and i think you also have to keep in mind that i don't know what the percentages are and i haven't been able to figure this out yet but a vast majority of priests never did these sort of things and are faithful to their vocations and and serving the church very well and and with great sacrifice and and uh denial of normal human compensations largely they don't make a lot of money they they're supposed to stay chaste and i think most of them do and uh so it's not that everything is bad. Huh? No, and, it's uh, not that everything is. But it is. Uh, well, it's a terrible contradiction. It is. Yeah. It's, and it's very difficult to make sense of it. So that's why we, we're happy that you're with us here mm-hmm. today to bring a little order to this because we, we've been struggling with this ourselves. Yeah, yeah, as have so many in our listening audience. So, Dr. Nelson, we appreciate your time today and for the excellent article you put together in the Post-Gazette. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dr. John P. Nelson, he's a psychiatrist in private practice here in the city. Perhaps we could post this article I'd be happy to. on our Facebook page and our, all of our additional social media platforms so that you, too, can read Dr. Nelson's uh, narrative. We'll take a quick break, come back. We've got lots more ahead. It's uh, hour one, almost through, of The Ride Home with John and Kathy.
Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds, with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. He can smell you from half a mile away, hear with pinpoint accuracy, and detect the slightest motion with a 310-degree field of vision. But with an Oak Ridge hunting blind from Yoder's Backyard Structures, that deer will never know you're there. Solid, silent, scent-controlled, satisfaction guaranteed. This is one perch you won't fall out of. And with Yoder's, delivered and set up free of charge. Take your hunt to a whole new level at yodersbackyard.com. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 70 That's 800-705-3030. 800-705-3030. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net Being a Word FM fan club member is the fast, free, easy way to access exclusive content only available to members. Easily enter contests, give us your feedback, and let us know how we're doing. Score pre-sale tickets and get exclusive seating, plus members-only discounts and loads of free stuff. Like right now, members have a chance at a free Amazon Echo, courtesy of Trinity Jewelers. What are you waiting for? Visit wordfm.com and join for free today. So today, I think you're a little after 2. 2.15? I got that. You get that as well, right? Mm -hmm. Come up on your phone? Along with a little message, and I forget what the message is. I should have taken a screenshot of it. Yeah, it said said, uh, President's... President's emergency warning? President's message alert. Something. It was President's something. Right. So this was a test, which we're required by the FCC to run these tests. I think every month on the air here, just to make sure that in the event of an emergency, the lines are open for people to communicate, mm-hmm. the government to communicate with each other. And of course, radio is one of those major sources, radio and or television. So now, of course, if you've got a phone, most of us do, you saw your own personal presidential mm-hmm. message. I, I thought at first that it was going to, it was like his latest tweet. No, and no. I thought, oh, now I'm getting alerts when the president tweets. And then I thought, no, it's not it. No. That's no, not it. But it's good. I, I there you go. I, I don't appreciate want to hear it. I don't want to hear that every time the president tweets, Mike. I just don't. <laughs> isn't it? It's a little precaution, but it's also a little scary as well, isn't it? I do not want to hear this coming across my phone in any way, shape, or form. 
No, but I'll tell you what. Uh, I, thinking back to 9-11, one of the things that to me was most terrifying about that day was trying to put myself in the position of people in New York who were absolutely unable to communicate with anybody. Yes. And uh, I thought to myself, what what would that ever feel like? What would that ever feel like? What would, and, you know, that was long before social media. That was long before, you know, any of that. I mean, it was the very beginnings of it, but it wasn't certainly uh, in any way, shape or form as evolved as it is now and so any any element like this i'm in favor of without a doubt yeah i felt a great comfort when i saw it me too i thought good yeah the government is including us the government's including us that's <laughs> Thank good you. making sure that we're, we're all safe. the tax dollars we're paying them there we go. That's, oh no that's the that's the sound i'm going to get when the president tweets yes <laughs> hey stick around five o'clock hour oh we got a lot more ahead Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. More controversy over President Trump's remarks at a Mississippi rally last night regarding the woman who's accused Judge Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault. Senator Bernie Sanders says he's concerned the president's words will discourage other victims from reporting sexual assault. The president's response... To her courage is to mock her, to make fun of her. Now, what kind of message does that send? Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders responded to reporters' questions on the remarks today. He was stating facts that were given during Dr. Ford's testimony, and the Senate has to make a decision based on those facts uh, and whether or not they see Judge Kavanaugh to be qualified uh, to hold the position on the Supreme Court. On Wall Street, the Dow by 54 points. The Nasdaq rose 25. The S&P advanced to oil up a dollar 18 to 76.41 a barrel. This is SRN News. The ride home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. People who are looking to finish their basement are usually crammed for space or have a special need that they don't have the room for. Energy Swing's Total Basement Finishing System is the fastest, easiest way to turn your unfinished basement into something spectacular. We have a great system that within two weeks we can convert your unused space to something beautiful, like an office, a gym, home theater, or just a place for the kids to spend their time. It's a pre-engineered system that installs very quickly and looks great when it's done. It's a premium system because it's premium performance. It's not dry drywall, which is one of the worst products you can use in a basement. This is a high-end performing system. It has a lifetime guarantee against mold, mildew that won't absorb moisture and looks great when it's done. We can turn your unused basement space into something beautiful within two weeks. Right now, get $1,200 off any total basement finishing project with 5% off over and above any current offer for word listeners only. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com If you're serious about wanting to be your own boss and if you're serious about wanting us to see your very first phone call should be to Vanguard. Rob Thomas is living proof of how quickly you can grow with Vanguard Cleaning Systems' proven model of success. That's a little shocking, ain't it? Shock me. <laughs> when I started, it was me and my brother on a truck. Now I got two company trucks, eight people that work for me, and I got an office on Braddock Avenue. And that's in a year and a half. They give me my first contract, a company down on the North Shore. The next thing you know, one turn to two, two turn to three, three turn to ten, because they got good reviews about my 
my work makes me feel like I'm making a difference. The training was good. You get a lot of one-on-one time, FaceTime, and it's not like you go through training and that's it. They're always a phone call away. You want to go to Vanguard because they're going to put you in the best position to succeed. With Vanguard backing me, sky's the limit. To start your own janitorial business in the Pittsburgh area, call Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Western PA, 724-870-4120. Renowned medical correspondent and endurance race champion, Bob Arnott, MD. People ask me, how do you keep competing at the age of 70? Healthy living is important, but so is pain relief. If you have pain, you can't train. So I'm thrilled I discovered Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus. This unique topical pain reliever contains two safe and effective anesthetics. Nothing has worked better for me. Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus, cream or roll-on. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Tour any of their three North Hills campuses during admissions week October 15th and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Partly cloudy tonight, warm and muggy with a low of 67 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, warm and humid. A passing shower for the morning, then a couple of showers and a heavier thunderstorm will be around in the afternoon. High tomorrow, 76. Lingering clouds tomorrow night and cooler, low 49. Friday, periods of clouds and sunshine, high 68 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Good afternoon to you. Uh, we're down at Heinz Field today. What? Thanks for putting my mic on, yeah, John. Well, All of a sudden, it was the John show. <laughs> you know, it's just a passive-aggressive move on my part. I mean, gee. Hold on. Who's, who's that little voice in the background? We were at Heinz Field today. We were. Uh, our uh, 13th annual Pastors Appreciation Lunch. And uh, we had a great time. Wonderful to meet so many pastors in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people gathered uh, together. Great message from Philip DeCourcy. Oh, excellent. Just, uh, yeah, it was a really good time together. We've posted a video that uh, we took before the event mm-hmm. in uh, in the the be- belly of Hinesfield. Oh, the only person who was there was the guy cutting the grass. Right, and the security guard who was very concerned about what we were doing. He sure was. Mm-hmm. I invited him to be in the video. At first he said yes, but then he backed off. No, no, that would have been awkward. No, I was. I, I would have welcomed it. He had a little, you know, walkie-talkie that was squawking away, and you know, I'm glad he didn't step forward. When he he was kind of hanging around us, and so I I said, you know, sir, you know, are we doing something we're not supposed to do? And he said, uh, no, I'm just monitoring what you're doing, how you're doing it, and if you're going to go anywhere else. Uh, yes, okay. And, and so I said, we'll finish quickly and leave. And All right. I think that was the right answer. So uh, I saw this in today's PG from our friend Brian O'Neill. Uh, this was back in the archives from uh, September, September 6th. And I can't really read the headline, 
but the headline essentially is, who was the first guy to call it a Pittsburgh left? I know this headline. Right? Who was the first guy to call it a Pittsburgh left? So then Brian uh, printed a letter, and it was submitted uh, from someone who used to live here in Pittsburgh, but now lives in uh, Celebration, Florida. Isn't Celebration, Florida, that um, Disney sort of... um, Community? Yes. If it is, it's it is. weird. It is. It's weird. Where everything's perfect. That's sick. I believe that that's Celebration Florida. Anyway, uh, he said this. Uh, someone here in Florida pulled the Pittsburgh left on my wife and I. In Florida? Yes. Outside of Disney. And I said to my wife, I bet her a dollar that the person was from Pennsylvania. So we looked at the car's plate as it went by, and lo and behold, Mm -hmm. it not only had a PA plate, but it also had a barrel Ford plate cover on the license plate to go along with a giant Steelers helmet decal on the back window. It felt like home. I like it. It felt like I was back on McKnight Road going to rent a VHS tape from Eagle Video. (laughs) Thanks so much. I miss Pittsburgh a good bit, and it really made my day. So it goes into the dynamics, the social construct, the poor or good driving what? Um, choices that we make when we decide to enact a Pittsburgh left. Yes. Okay, so people listening to the program might not know exactly what the Pittsburgh left is. What? No, everybody who lives in Pittsburgh knows what a Pittsburgh left is. Okay, okay. So describe just, the Pittsburgh left. Just, I'm telling you, within the last 30 days, my husband said, what is that anyway? What? He, he didn't. No, he did not know. How he could, did not know. He's lived here for decades. He did not know. I'm telling you, many people I bet listening right this second don't know. Okay, so Pittsburgh left. So John and I are at the same red light, but we are facing one another. Opposite sides. Okay. Cats come in one way, I'm going the other right, way. Right, but I want to go left at the stoplight. Yes. Okay, so as soon as the light turns green. Wait, do you have a signal on? I have my signal on. My signal is on. I'm going to turn left. You are coming straight ahead. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to cross over your point of of egress. Cross in front of me. Right. As soon as the light turns green, because I'm from Pittsburgh, I feel it is my right and my opportunity to turn first. I don't even feel it. It's just expected. I'm turning left. It's the way the universe works. I think it's really civil and kind and full of wisdom. Okay, except people who aren't from Pittsburgh think think it's ridiculous because I am going across. I mean, I should be yielding to you because you're going straight. The right of way truly is to the, you know, ongoing traffic. Except here in Pittsburgh. Yes. So Brian uh, O'Neill went back into the PG archives. Hold on. That's that's, that's John and I crashing. So Brian O'Neill went back to the PG archives. The first time the term... Pittsburgh left was found in a column written by the great Peter Leo. Mm-hmm. Remember Peter sure. Leo? Oh, that's fabulous. June 10th, 1985. Uh, he said, I, sh- I know I should be used to this by now, Mr. Leo wrote, but I still get ticked off at the pushy Pittsburgh left. He called a pushy with a capital P three times more before the column was through. Though that phrasing never caught on, the term Pittsburgh left has stuck around. Now, I kind of... I love the Pittsburgh left. And I feel I, good about the Pittsburgh left. Don't you feel as the as the person who is allowing the Pittsburgh left to happen? I'm being a nice guy. Yes. I'm not in a rush. That person looks like they need to turn left more quickly than I have to go straight. So it's it's my opportunity to just extend a little grace to that person. It's yinzer courtesy. I think it's fine. And if I am in a hurry and I'm the person at the stoplight with my left turn signal on, I feel just fine about my 
confidence level as I turn left first. I feel good about it. I feel like, you know what, that person going straight is going to allow me a little grace as I scurry off to what I have to do. Exactly. Now, how about the times, those rare times when you're you yourself, I'm making the Pittsburgh left and the person coming at me. It's like coming at me. That's just rude. And like, I get like... I think, slow it hey, down, pal. Where are you from? Jersey? What the heck? What's going on here? Cut me the break with the Pittsburgh left. We're in Allegheny County, which means that if I'm in a hurry and I need to go left, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I really, I don't get understand the the rage or the I just don't shaking un- of the fist from those I, outside the I area. I don't understand people that just intuitively don't get it. I don't either. I consider it a kindness. And it, I do, I do, and I feel good with the kindness on both levels, yeah. giving and receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really makes us into a kinder, gentler society. Mm-hmm. So, how can we monetize the Pittsburgh? I don't left? know. I'm trying to figure out if we can. <laughs> so, anybody we can get as a sponsor to our show? Yes, I will say this: this has nothing to do, in particular, with the Pittsburgh left. But just imagining you and I at the same intersection. Remember that very, <laughs> that very dark moment when. <laughs> I got into I oh, got no. into a traffic accident <laughs> directly in front of you. I do. I surely do. I remember it very very well. We were going to your house for a, uh, a for meeting. a meeting, and we were getting off the exit right after the show. Right, coming home, and I was following you. Mm-hmm. There you go up off the exit because I was a little unsure, so I'm following you respectfully behind you. Mm-hmm. You start to make a right. And lo and behold, a woman plows. No, that's not what happened. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I was the plower. Oh, I thought she was plowing. No, 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 I was the plower. No, so the first woman at the stoplight uh, was looking on her phone. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. And the light turned green. And so as soon as I saw the light turn green, I hit the gas. And she was not looking because she was looking at her phone, and so I plowed into her. Right. But it- and so here, here's me. Here's the good friend that I am. The accident happens, and I think, oh, good golly, gas in an accident. I just, I just went around you. And he went to my house. <laughs> what was I going to do? What was I going to? No one clearly. It was the. Isn't ulti- that low? You didn't even stop. No. No, no. It was the ultimate fender bender. What am I going to do? Pull out my insurance cards? Well, am I going to go? Excuse me, I was an eyewitness to this travesty. I, mean, I think Pull he could have over and offer her a ride. No, no, no. I think no. he could have said, "Kathy, all right." No, I, at least I, it looked like something ridiculous. I did not know the extent of uh, any injury to you or the, the car, right. which there was none on your part. The sad thing was there was zero injury to me or my car, but her car, which. <laughs> Oh, this is hard. It's not even funny to no, laugh no, about it. Which she was driving home from the dealer after just purchasing. Oh. Uh, I had really messed up. I yeah, really, yeah. my car had z- didn't even have a mark on it, and hers was pretty wrecked. Poor oh. well, see, well, that'll teach you. Don't be texting listen, and on your I, phone. I, I not was, you. okay. I'm I was pro like, Kathy oh, Thank you. I appreciate I'm in your that. Corner all so the way. listen, it took like, what, 20, 25 minutes to change all our information and all of that? I go back to my house. John and my husband are sitting there like eating guacamole. <laughs> I did. I had some guac. <laughs> I, I was but hungry. Geez, you guys. I mean, I, you Not know. even a text. Nothing. No, no text. Not even a No, there may have been a text or two. You okay? Something like that. Maybe you sent me a text. I don't really remember. Yeah, but you know there was a time there that you were you were encountering accidents all over the place. Remember that? 
I was encountering accidents. Oh, you were part of accidents. You were involved like in two or three accidents in a short amount of time. And I was like, what the heck's going on? Oh, here? yeah. Remember that? I do remember that. Your poor husband. I do the remember. The rates kept yeah, going I, up and up I and up do, and up. I do remember that. What happened there? Fortunately, I was not the instigator in any of them. Which you was, were when you plowed into the lady well, but, in front of you. But it wasn't. <sighs> I'm only you. This segment of Kathy's Accidents brought to you by Progressive Insurance. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway. All right. Fine. Yeah, yeah. You sorry ran, I brought it up. Into the poor lady. I'm sorry you brought it up, too. She was on her phone. Yeah. She should have hit the gas. The light was green. Uh-huh. I don't think it's my fault that I was moving and she wasn't. And I apologize for not sticking around. Yeah, thanks uh, a lot. I wanted some guacamole. Stick around. Oh, who's next with us here? What's coming up next? Yeah, we're going to talk to Karen Swallow Pryor. Oh, my goodness gracious. Liberty University. Talking about animals. I right? can't wait. Right. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What do you need to live through tough times? I want us to learn something about God's timeless truth for these tough times in which we live. Because these are perilous times. And yet we have God's Word to see us through. Hear Adrian Rogers teach timeless truths for tough times this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Hey, many of you know or have worked with my friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial. And if you have, you know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation. Typical savings up to 40%. Small, medium, even large groups, Marley's got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital you want. So if you choose Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, even Johns Hopkins, Marley's giving you the power to choose what's best for you and also the power to choose what's best for your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors, because you can forget about the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions. So give Marley Financial a call now, 724-884-1496, and find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania, 724-884-1496 or online at MarleyFG.com. If you had to replace everything in your fridge today, how much would it cost? For a restaurant or church, that could mean thousands in lost product and downtime. That's when you call Ventec Refrigeration. When your walk-in goes down, Ventec can be there in less than two hours with portable units to save valuable product. And they'll even move it for you while repairs are made with flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Keep your cool with Ventec Refrigeration. 412-793-0661. Hi, I'm Bill Lingvall, and I'm here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, a national organization helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. Mike, the news reports keep saying that the rates might actually be going down. The cost of many Medicare plans are decreasing this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans. Plans that can eliminate your out-of-pocket costs. Plans with $0 premium. And even plans that pay you back. All right, Mike, with the enrollment deadline for Medicare coming soon, what should people keep in mind? With so many new options, it can be confusing.
using. You can get objective help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more with lower copays, more choices like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage, and the freedom to see the doctors you choose. Don't miss out on savings you deserve. Our health market's Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. Hey, folks, your Medicare is just too important to put off. So call health markets today and find out how much you could be saving. Call 800-716-7780. That's 800-716-7780. 800-716-7780. Being a Word FM fan club member is the fast, free, easy way to access exclusive content only available to members. Easily enter contests, give us your feedback, and let us know how we're doing. Score pre-sale tickets and get exclusive seating, plus members-only discounts and loads of free stuff. Like right now, members have a chance at a free Amazon Echo, courtesy of Trinity Jewelers. What are you waiting for? Visit wordfm.com and join for free today. Hey, welcome back. Karen Swallow Pryor is with us. Dr. Pryor is in the English Department at Liberty University. Her latest book is called On Reading Well. But she wrote a piece because Karen is so deeply ensconced in classic literature about animals in literature. Ask the animals is the headline. Ask the animals and they will teach you. Dr. Pryor, welcome back. How are you today? I'm great. It's good to be back with you. Thank you. Always good to have you here. Karen, start off by talking about your dogs, please. Well, they're probably going to bark at any minute. They're very being very barky this afternoon. Mm-hmm. So uh, my dogs, Ruby and Eva, are, um, are you know, there's a central part of my life. Um, if, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see them all the time. Uh, they're a German short-haired pointer and a Weimaraner, and they're very spoiled. <laughs> so, Karen, in your article, you talk about literature. Literature from the simplest of children's stories to the great classics filled with animals. But... Our relationship with animals in real life is complex, right? I mean, when you look at it on the written page, it's different than how we treat animals in real life. Yes. I mean, animals, they're so fascinating in the fact that God created animals uh, along with us. Um, They inhabit this sort of middle space. I mean, we are above animals, they are below us, but yet we are animated in the same way that they are. They are, you know, the word animal means living, breathing, moving, and so we share that in common with them. Uh, of course, they are not made in the image of God as we are, so that is what makes us different. And animals were created for our use, for our enjoyment. Of course, we do get food from them. Um, and it's so complicated because often we will treat our own pets, as I just talked about, um, in entirely different ways than we end up treating the animals that are sacrificed to be our food on our, on our plate. And mm. that seems inconsistent, and it seems unbiblical, yet we live in this complicated world where we never really see those animals and don't have anything to do with, with how they're raised and treated. Yes. So there's sort of a compartmentalization that goes on there. It, it's a very complex thing that we're doing here, and really especially is. here in the United States, I think. Yeah, and I think when we compare, you know, uh, Peter Rabbit, which is the very first book about animals I remember reading when I was a kid, mm-hmm. the different Beatrix Potter stories, which are so gorgeous. Um, Linking, it just seems like there's this um, demarcation between the animals that we read about, that we love, that we even, you know, you go into the Narnia stories, um, you know, any of that, um, Mr. Putter and Tabby, I'm thinking about all the, the, uh, 
children's literature that I loved that had to do with animals that almost had absolutely nothing to do with what was for dinner. Right, right. I mean, animals in literature, as I talk about in the article, I mean, they serve so many functions. Some of them are just you know, just stand-ins for people. They're just... Um, they're they're living lives that are like human beings, and the story is told through their perspective. Um, they're anthropomorphized, um, and other works of literature, animals function as animals, um, and we love and adore animals, and they teach us so much, as as the title of this article says, which actually is comes from a, a verse in Job. I mean, the Bible tells us. Ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you. As part of God's creation, um, they reveal something, many things to us about about Him and about ourselves. Yes. Karen, in your article, you, you quote this wonderful sentence, The first place that I can well remember was a large, pleasant meadow with a pond of clear water in it. And that's from Black Beauty, written in 1877. And and you mark Black Beauty as a really seminal book in how society, especially from a Victorian era, started to look at animals in a different light. Yes, a lot of uh, Christians don't know that, uh, particularly evangelical Christians, which is my community, um, we don't know that the animal welfare movement actually began with evangelicals in England in the early 19th century. And when Anna Sewell wrote this book, um, it's actually a very didactic book in the sense that she was really trying to teach a lesson to readers about having compassion for animals, because at that time, animals were used not only for food, but for transportation, and carriage horses were uh, very inhumanely treated. They were considered just like vehicles or cars and whipped until they could move no more. And it was Christians and conservatives like Anna Sewell who who thought that, who understood that Christian virtue and compassion and biblical teaching um, commands us to be kind toward animals even as they serve us. And yes. so that was the purpose of this book, which is now a, a much-loved classic, one of the most published and most read books in the world. So in, in Black Beauty, Anna Sewell, she wrote first person from the horse's perspective. I mean, I'm sure at the time that had to be shocking, probably in some certain circles of literature, maybe uh, ripe for ridicule, but it was clearly an eye-opener, wasn't it? It, it really was. Um, it opened a lot of people's eyes toward um, toward the feelings of animals, and we know that they obviously feel things and help people to see things in a, in a new way um, and to see that animals uh, should not unduly suffer. I remember getting my copy of The Black Stallion when I was maybe in fifth grade or sixth grade, and um, I read it over a weekend. And the thing I remember about The Black Stallion that I loved so much is that the boy, what's his name? Alex. Alec, I think. Yes, Alec. Um, yeah. The boy, he's he's shipwrecked on an island with the horse. Um, and so they kind of, and the horse is not like, you know, 100-year-old Toby, the friendly horse that lives next to you. I mean, this is like a, this is a wild animal. And um, the story is, of course, their, their, you know, progressive understanding of one another and the growing relationship. But the thing that stayed with me so much was him looking at that horse like it was a wild animal. This was not something that he could tame. This was not something that he could contain. And this was not something that he could understand. This was something he was in awe of. 
Right. I mean, this is a story that's, again, it's told from the perspective of a human being in relationship with the horse as opposed to Black Beauty, which is from the perspective of the horse. So it's a little bit more, of, I guess, you know, a, a mature um, and more reflective point of view because this boy has to respect uh, this horse and fear this horse and, and, of course, is in awe of it. Um, and as he overcomes that, I mean, it's really a partnership that develops between the boy and the horse, which, again, is, a, is an outstanding example of, you know, the relationship between human beings and animals, um, as I believe God intended it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the, people's attitudes towards animals, I mean, was it just... It was a tool, right? They weren't looked as something that you could love. I mean, you also talk about crime and punishment that was written in 1866 that, you know, a harrowing description of animal cruelty. Um, uh, how, how did that work? Did that change people's minds or start to raise consciousness about animals and how we treat them? Well, I think you know, if we go even back even further in history, we, we see that our view of animals has actually changed in ancient times animals were often, just because of the dwellings and the way the communities were built, animals often lived in close proximity, even in the same buildings as people. I mean, we, we know that that Jesus was, was placed in a manger, and, and some Bible scholars actually say he wasn't actually, it's not that he was in a barn, it's that the people often kept animals in their own living quarters. Um, and in the Middle Ages, peasants didn't have a lot of, of resources and built outbuildings so often animals stayed with them but during the enlightenment with the development of technology and machines the whole uh, the image of animals changed and they began people began to see them as machines and that's when they started to you know to cut them open alive something that c.s lewis objected to in the 20th century and began treating you know as we talked about the carriage horses like just mere vehicles for transportation and so uh, when we get to the 19th century, that's when we start to see English and, as you mentioned, Russian writers um, like Dostoevsky seeing the significance that animal cruelty has for human beings. Even mm-hmm. uh, the opening quote that I include from Immanuel Kant also um, in uh, that period, a little in the 18th century when this was be- you know, really reaching its height, um, he said, he who is cruel to animals becomes hard also in his dealings with men. We can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. Mm-hmm. Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor is with us, pres- or a professor of English at Liberty University. Uh, Karen, so let's bring it up to the present. And this is something that you uh, did not cover in your article, but something I, I know that you're aware of. A recent controversy over a Christian understanding of animals. Um, and this is related to two people who've been good friends of our show, uh, Daniel Darling and Charlie Camosi. But, you know, Charlie is a uh, professor at Fordham University, um, is a, well, I think one of the preeminent writers on the abortion issue in America today. And, um, we've talked to Charlie, I don't know, three or four times in the last year about his evolving understanding of him being pro-life and trying to come to terms with what pro-life means for the rest of his life. So he doesn't, we, none of us, uh, want to be just anti-abortion. We would like to understand what that term pro-life would mean and what, what God wants it to mean in our lives. And for Charlie, one of the things is he's thinking, I need a better understanding of how to defend defenseless animals. 
Um, and so he has, you know, put a lot of time and energy and thought into that and made changes in his personal life. Um, and he, he produced a video, uh, to that, um, it, kind of promoting that point of view. And it was, it was posted on a website. Um, Daniel Darling, you know, was uh, apparently in charge of the website. Um, his work at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, um, uh, decided that that was not a perspective that they appreciated because they said that uh, advocating too seriously for animal rights takes away from the preeminence that God has placed on humankind and creation. Um, so two uh, men who are well-studied, who love God, who see this issue differently. Karen, what do you think about this controversy? Well, I think, you know, I fall in the middle. Um, I actually, I, I do eat meat. I think that we are, you know, God. God's Word is clear that, that eating meat is permitted, even though that was something that was not part of the original um, design in, in the Garden of Eden. Um, but how we treat animals even as a resource matters to God, and, and, and the Bible is clear that we are not to cause suffering, we are to be kind and compassionate to animals. Um, and so part of the problem is is that the way our society is set up now it's almost impossible unless you raise or harvest your own meat, um, which we do quite a bit. Uh, you have to participate in systems that are extremely cruel that we have, you know, turned a blind eye to. I mean, this where I live, we recently had um, Hurricane Florence wreaked havoc on our, our region. And one of the things that happened that has gotten some media coverage, but not a lot, is that millions of animals, pigs and chickens, were left to drown because they they are warehoused in such huge factory farms that there was there was nothing that people could do as they were fleeing uh, the hurricane and so they were simply left there and I don't think most of us think about that when we go to the grocery market and and you know buy buy our food so there I think there's a place in between between where we can be good stewards of God's creation and still uphold human life as as distinct from animal life and because it's made in God's image, but that doesn't mean that we can be wantonly cruel to animals for any reason. That's good. Well, Karen, thanks enough a lot. Uh, They're hard issues. They are. But they're important issues to talk about, and I think it's important to let people who think differently on them express themselves and say, look, no, this is how I see it. No, this is how I see it, because I think it helps us all to grow and understand it better. Very nice. Exactly. I appreciate having this conversation. Thank you. Karen Swallow Pryor, Her latest book is called On Reading Well. We love it. It's highly recommended. If you're a reader, uh, Dr. Pryor goes uh, deeply into the classics and looks at the different virtues that are involved in each classic. Hey, stay with us. We've got lots more ahead. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Stick around, would you please? Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. You started a DIY project at home. Then you realize convenience isn't always easy. The why in DIY doesn't mean why is this so hard. At ADT, we DIFY, do it for you. 
We customize and install a secure smart home that you control from the palm of your hand or the sound of your voice. Smart security, designed and installed just for you with ADT. Visit ADT.com slash smart to learn more. License information available at ADT.com. ADT, real protection. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. If you're wondering how kids can be truly educated when God, Scripture, and prayer are removed from the classroom, well, wonder no more, because you have choices nearby, and you'll find them on the map at PittsburghChristianSchools.net. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. So Thursday morning, I am taking my youngest daughter, who is 16 years old, on a trip. This is not like a family trip or just a fun getaway, but this is her choice of a two-night stay at a college that she's looking at as a potential landing spot for her. What year is she? She's a junior in high school, Okay, and she's going up to Grove City College. Nice. Now, we've talked before on the air that my older daughter's at Grove City. And um, my, and my older, son. My, yeah, and your son. And my older daughter did this when she was a junior. Um, she had a friend who was up there. Um, she'd been Her friend had been up there a couple years. And so uh, my older daughter just wanted to kind of see – you know, what college was like, you know, what kind of lay of the land was. Um, and Grove City gives uh, a great opportunity for students to spend two nights on campus and attend all the classes that are um, that are offered. They can just kind of wander in and out of whatever classes so that they can kind of see what school is like at Grove City. Nice. So my daughter is totally excited about this because, it, of course, it's her first Im- kind of immersion experience, kind of dipping her toe in the water of what college would be like. Um, but it's also, from my perspective as a parent, just a wonderful opportunity for her to see how uh, not just a Christian college, but a Christian college that is intellectually rigorous, what that would look like. So she's going to go to eight different classes. I love this so much. So my son who's there, he's a junior this year. The first time we went to Grove City College – halfway through the visit he said i'm gonna go here i was like what the heck what do you mean he said dad the geeks the nerds the jocks we all love jesus and everyone's at grove city college what the heck i didn't know that those were definitive like person groups there Uh, apparently that's what it is so listen uh kath and i both of our kids go to grove city we love grove city college it's more than worth your while to check it out yeah so if you've got a kid who's in high school and they're thinking maybe you know grove city might be in their future but they're not really sure what it would look like or what a college experience is you might want to consider as a junior in high school sending them up there to have a little immersion experience grove city college find out more online gcc.edu Partly cloudy tonight, warm and muggy with a low of 67 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, warm and humid. A passing shower for the morning, then a couple of showers and a heavier thunderstorm will be around in the afternoon. High tomorrow, 76. Lingering clouds tomorrow night and cooler, low 49. Friday, periods of clouds and sunshine, high 68 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome back. Kath, um, you and I, I think, tend to look at things pretty closely in how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. 
And our our partners, your husband, my wife, they tend to look at it pretty closely as well. Right. Which are often diametrically opposed right. to each other. Right. It's a good thing you and I didn't get married because we'd be broke. Oh, without a doubt. We would be adrift at sea. <laughs> Not to say that we are... Um, Profligate spenders. No. But... But, you know, we like some nice things. Right. Right? Now, my right. wife, I mean, she's like your husband. She opens up her, her purse. Baby, there's cobwebs in there. Oh, my gosh. She would prefer to hang on to She must be, you know, my mother always just say, well, you know, your, your, uh, your father's Scottish. So he's got that cheapness in him. And I, like, what? What's he? He's got that cheapness yeah, in him. Yeah. Oh, you know, the Scottish know how to make the penny go a long way is what she'd say. Mm. Which I never, you know, what? I, 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 I wonder what the Poles do. If that's uh, what the Scots do. I don't know what the Poles do. Yeah. They make pierogies. I'll tell you. That's what they do. So things that we spend money on or not. Yeah. I was reading this article in the Wall Street Journal on essential elements of a woman's wardrobe. And um, it just got me thinking that this particular um, writer was talking about the things she thinks it's important to spend money on clothes-wise. On clothes. Yeah. In but, your I, wardrobe. but I thought to myself, what about if we looked at that in a bigger context? Like there are things in my life that I feel you should spend the money on. Okay, you should not go cheap. You should not go discount. You should not go used. You need to spend the money right. on a certain number of things. And then I have another list of things that I would never, ever, ever buy new. Okay. I would always buy used. Always. Right. And I am pretty militant about these two lists. I got to oh, be honest. Really? Like okay. I never... Uh, like in making this list, I was kind of laughing at myself that I never transgress these lists. Like nothing from the first list ever ends up on the second list. Like there are things I always spend good money on and there are things that I never in a million years would spend good money on. Okay. All right. So give me an example. Things that you would spend money on okay. and go, that was money well spent. Okay. The first thing is clothes. I spend money on clothes. Good clothes. Yes. I buy good clothes. Good clothes. Yes. Always. Go into that. Well, I feel – I mean I have to dress up a lot for you know the work that we do here. And I, I don't buy discount clothes. I would rather have fewer items that are of a good quality that fit me well right. than have a ton of clothes in my closet. So here's the thing about good clothes. And people would poo-poo that, that you know, you're spending money oh, on yeah. clothes. Well, people are going to poo-poo both of my lists. That's part of having the list. But you know, until you wear – a nice jacket or a good pair of pants or a good pair of shoes. Until you do that, you have no idea, right? The structure and right. the beauty and the fit and the form and all those. The aesthetic in like a good pair of shoes. I mean, when I was a kid, I worked at uh, Ferragamo on Fifth Avenue. Not Fifth Avenue, Pittsburgh. No, Fifth Avenue in New York City. It was at 56th and 5th. And I, I started working there as a kid as a stock boy. And then they, oh, hey, okay, come on upstairs. But they gave me a suit, and all of a sudden, they were teaching me the fine art of selling a pair of shoes in 1982 that were then retailing for about $750. Hmm. And people would come in, people would come in and drop thousands. I mean, on a whim, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. And I would go, what? How are people do? Why that would you so do that? Shocking. Shocking. But as part of the deal is selling, they would also give you, you got a pair of new shoes every four months. I still have some of those shoes. 
and they are really because they're that well made. They're beautiful. I've never had a pair of those on my feet. Oh, they're fabulous. They fit like a glove, and they're built like a tank, and they look like a million bucks. So that was sort of a light bulb for me as a young man. Something fine that's well constructed that sort of defines fashion that goes beyond traditional fashion, but is a staple of someone's clothing budget. Right. The look, the feel. Count me in. Yeah. Do I go out and spend seven hundred fifty dollars on a pair of shoes? No. I, w- I would love to, right? But I don't. But at the same time, I'm trying not to go to pay less as well. And right. I, and, I, and, and that's I, where you have to find your sweet spot based on what your income level is. But that's the thing. I don't look down my nose and anybody goes to pay less no, because right. believe me, I bought shoes that pay less. So have I, right? And happy to have. Which them. is why I have a podiatrist now. Mm. So there's a fine line, there is a right? Fine because line. you want everybody wants to have nice things, sure. But of course, but you can't have every, nice everything. I can't afford. You can't have nice everything. I mean, okay. Were, so let me give you the opposite extreme. Okay. So I, I I buy good clothes. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather have fewer clothes, but have good clothes. Yeah. On the other side of the spectrum, I have never in my life purchased new furniture for my house. I have a four I have a four bedroom house. Never anything new. There is nothing. Not one stick. That is in my house that we bought new. Really? Everything is used. Everything. Because the markup on furniture, and you know, I worked in the design industry for a while, and so this is something, I guess this is just so much a part of my understanding. The markup on furniture is so sickening. Mm -hmm. It is not worth what you're paying for it. No, there's no way. So if you can buy used furniture, if you can buy your dining room table on eBay, or you can buy your front porch furniture on Craigslist, Mm -hmm. or you can have an upholsterer reupholster a chair that you found on the side of the road, you are so much better off Mm -hmm. than if you go to a furniture store and buy new furniture. I agree. That's just the way it is. 100%. That's the way it is. So I would spend money on clothes. Never in a million years would I spend money on furniture. What about your husband? What does he say when you go and you come in the house and you go, hey, I just bought this jacket and I paid <laughs> X amount? Of- well, he has spent many years shaking his head. Mm-hmm. because, But that's just, I mean, he he's that way about certain about certain other things. Tell the t-shirt story. <laughs> when I met my husband, we were uh, not even dating yet. Um well, we were thinking, I guess we were kind of dating. It's a, it's a very long, involved relationship Sounds story complex. that you don't care about. But the thing I'm focusing on is he came to pick me up for a date wearing a T-shirt that said on the front, elect Leroy Anthony. And on the back, it said, for recording secretary. But there's more to the story. Because there is. he had not one of these T-shirts. He had two. And why did he have two? One for regular days, the other for dates. <laughs> Clearly not a clothes horse. That was the worst looking shirt. I said to him, who's Leroy Anthony? He said, who? I said, Leroy Anthony, the guy in your shirt. He said, oh, I don't know. I said, well, why are you wearing the shirt? And he said, oh, I just picked it up for free at the post office. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to White House Black Market, and I married someone who's picking up free shirts at the post office. (laughs) I love that story so much. I love your husband. Okay, so so for you. Uh, For me. Okay, now there (laughs) Now, of course, you know, you go through good times and bad times. Financially. Yes. There was a time in my life where I was literally buying used tires on Craigslist. Now, that was something that I had to do because do you know how expensive tires are? Are you kidding me? I mean, I was. I was scrambling for money. I mean, I really was. Um, I went to my mechanic one time and he said, why these tires – 
They're death traps. You're going to die on the road with these. I forbid you to leave here. He, he literally. Is that what he said? Yes. You cannot. Go, John, I know you. I love you. You cannot go out on the road. You're not. He said, look at me in the eye. You are not going to do this. So I had to pony up. But I'll tell you what. When I drove out of that lot and I had those new tires on and they were good tires, I felt like a million bucks. And I thought, I'm as safe as safe can be. So it was a hard lesson. But. I'm spending good money. Okay, on so good you're tires. spending good money on good tires. Yeah. All right, that's good. Um, what am I not spending money on? Again, the flip side. I've never in my life owned a new car, and I never will, because you talk about markup. Right. Why do I need to buy a new car? Holy smokes! Yeah, it's a nice luxury. I get that, and I see why people do that, but not me. So, I'll spend money on new tires. I won't spend money on a new car. What about you? 800-320-8255. What are you splurging on? Yeah, give us a call. What's good? What can you get by on the cheap? What are you doing to enhance your marriage? We want to be on the same page. Even when that gets tough. And let's face it, marriage is an up and down. And protect your legacy. One of the greatest gifts that parents can give to their kids is a great marriage relationship. Family Life's Weekend to Remember. It was one of like the best weekends ever. We just want to soak in all this knowledge. It's fun and practical. Immediate help for today. It really helped us. And hope for tomorrow. Because we are fighting. All the time. We were struggling and we were looking for anything we could to help. I think there's a perfect balance of laughter and then those really serious moments. The Weekend to Remember is coming to the Pittsburgh Marriott North November 2nd and the 9th. Don't think too hard, just do it because you're going to get something good out of this. Wow, this is really making a difference in our marriage. It's very helpful. So fan those romantic flames and take your marriage from good to great. Visit WeekendToRemember.com. Attention homeowners! Do you need cash to consolidate high-interest credit card payments or pay college tuition? Looking to finance home improvements without paying out-of-pocket? You've worked hard building up the equity in your home, and Total Mortgage can help you access it at some of the lowest available interest rates. If you are current on your mortgage payments but struggling with other debts, you need to call Total Mortgage right now at 1-800-400-7215. You can have the money you need in as little as seven business days. Best of all, we'll consider every request, regardless of your credit score. Again, home Homeowners can now get cash for any reason, like paying off high-interest credit card debt, college tuition, or even home improvements. This quick cash for homeowners program may only be available for a limited time. To find out for free how much cash you qualify for, call today, 1-800-400-7215. That's 1-800-400-7215. 1-800-400-7215. Total Mortgage Services, LLC is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 2764. Not available in all states. Additional restrictions may apply. Offers subject to eligibility. Not all who call will qualify. Call for terms and conditions. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old-time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course we have great eats inside too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog 
Gross with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. It's John Hall's Fashion Rules. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, I'm John Hall. Don't be spending money on that overcoat. You can do better. Okay, we're talking about things we would uh, prefer to spend a quality amount of money on. Mm-hmm. That we think it's worth it yes. to spend money on. Like new tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pro new tires. Sure. As opposed to buying my tires from Craigslist. Sure. Um, now, okay, so I'm, I'm the opposite of you. Okay. You, now, I'm, this has sort of become, maybe this is just a guy thing, I don't know. Um, over the years, I've learned that I can buy clothes, not necessarily at Saks Fifth Avenue, but I can buy clothes that I think are of decent enough quality that I look good in mm-hmm. that I'll spend less on and feel good about it. You're gut. <laughs> That's funny music. I'm a guy. You're a guy. It's yeah. easier to do that with men's clothes. Without a doubt. It's yeah, way easier. I get away with it. And if we're talking about, I should have made it clear that when I'm talking about clothes, like my pajamas, I got a goodwill. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not talking about, you know, like clothes that I'm wearing around the house. I mean, for dressing up, right, dress right, up right. clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the clothes that I, that I spend money on. Right. So I love to get my, you know, a good Navy sweatshirt at the red, white, and blue on 65 in Avalon. I'm, sure. I'm good with that, but I'm not getting my, you know, like the jacket I'm currently wearing, I'm not getting that at the red, white, and blue. See, it worries me to buy stuff like that because I think, oh, like, like you know, you were in those pajamas. Maybe somebody passed away in those. <laughs> what? Hey, don't be dumb. Hey, wait, play again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That is the most horrible thing well, that you could say about my Goodwill pajamas. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sorry, but that's the first thing that came to mind. It is. First of all, nobody <laughs> died in my pajamas. You don't know. Second of all, they're, they're galaxy pajamas. They have stars and constellations on them, and they're awesome. And third of all, I've, wa- no boundaries. I've washed them thoroughly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not, you know, I just, that's the first thought that came to my mind. That's all. <laughs> Fine. Oh, no. You'll think th- you'll think differently the next time you put those PJs Fine. on, won't Here, you? <laughs> I'm going to put them on in about 30 minutes okay. <laughs> after this day. And I'm going to make myself a nice, tall glass of rich chocolate Ovaltine. Okay. Okay, another thing I splurge on yeah. that, that I think you should splurge on, mm. technology. Really? Yes. Yes. No, don't, I, buy an, don't buy an Acer laptop. Oh, no, no. Okay, no. but listen. Okay, so speaking of goodwill... My oldest boy worked at the Goodwill computer store. That guy, man, he's got it. Well, but he knows what – I mean, he can he rebuild computers. Oh, man. I'm not going to go to Goodwill and get a computer. I wouldn't know what to do with it. Well, I'm just saying. You you can get around it. I can, no, I cannot get around it. Your your son can because he's has a tremendous aptitude for rebuilding computers. Okay, so my, my oldest kid's like doing that. My youngest kid – for a high school graduation gift to himself, because he got all this cash, mm-hmm. he bought himself a $1,600 Mac. That's what I would do. What the heck? Heck yeah. I would never spend oh, $1,600. I totally would do that. There's Mike, no way. Totally Mike, would you do you that? You guys oh, are yeah. nuts. You're crazy. There is no way in a million years. Totally do that. There is not. I, w- I would do that. 1600 I would do that seven days Mac. out of seven. A laptop. Oh, yeah. So worth it. There's totally no, no, worth it's it. Not. It's not totally worth it. Totally worth it. No. And, and I got a problem with Macs in general. No. 
because of the oh, hip factor. Right. You're paying for all that hip thing. No, I'm not no you're not. You're, no, you're paying not. for you, professional oh, for a professional product. Professional Preach product. Preach it, Mike. Yeah, you're paying for exactly Steve Jobs mm-hmm. trust fund. <laughs> I don't think Steve Jobs has a trust fund. Oh, I'm used to. Hi, I'm John Hall. Fashion rules number seven. Don't buy dead people's and- pajamas. <laughs> okay, just say thank you so much. We'll take a break. we got a lot more ahead. Call me before you go to Red, White, and Blue Thrift Store in 51. I believe you ruined this for me. <laughs> Most executors don't want the job, quite frankly. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on the importance of proper estate administration. There's a lot of steps that go into settling an estate. And if they don't get it right, not knowing the law isn't a defense to why you didn't do it correctly in the first place. When you pass without appropriate planning, it can be very costly. We see more fractions within families when death and money are involved. If you don't plan appropriately, it's very common. Siblings don't speak anymore. We act as the mediator for that executor to understand the law. We sit down and go through what probate looks like. Once we go through those steps, we'll assist with getting all of the legal documents, getting you sworn in with the local court, and starting that probate process. And then we will act as the mediator with the beneficiary and the executor. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America invites you to take steps for cures at a walk event near you. Support the 1.6 million Americans living with these diseases. Get started at cctakesteps.org. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> Fashion rule number 43, ditch the tube socks after Memorial Day. Just saying. First of all, it's white shoes and it's Labor Day. <laughs> it's still white. <laughs> uh, okay, here's, some, <laughs> here's something you should never splurge on. What's that? Dishes. Oh, I agree. Because I've got your dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I gave oh, no. you my dishes. You gave me your fine china. We bring it out for company because, because I got mine at the Regent Square yard sale, very and nice. so you got my new china. Yeah, was that wedding china yeah. that I have yours? Yeah, it's very nice. John Hall has my wedding china. What's the name of the brand? It's like a um, Oxuna. Uh, you know, I don't remember Oxana or uh, it's it's really nice. Some name. It's I, very very I, nice. Very nice. I bring it out for company. It's very. I always nice. give you credit. That's oh, that's good of you, John. It's Cass. Yeah, but I'd, I'd I found the set that I that I really liked and that worked well in my dining room at the mm. Regent Square Yard Sale. I think I paid twenty six dollars for the whole set. Nice. So I had this set of fine china. I wasn't doing anything with, and so I gave it to the halls. Very nice. We're happy to have it. We were having like a big shindig. We were, you know, oh, it was multi- like Easter one year, and you didn't have enough dishes. Oh, I didn't. I was like, and you were like, come on, get these. And so yeah, we we still use them. Great. So I got mine second hand. You got your second hand. Fine. I got no problem with that. How about people who like you buy Waterford Crystal? Right? Remember I don't get that. I, I, but I, I do have two items of Waterford Crystal. I also got at the aforementioned Regent Square Yard. So really, yep. two what? Two pieces of Waterford Crystal. Okay. Uh huh. One is a like a little uh, like a little bowl you might put cranberry sauce or applesauce in, maybe mm-hmm. a serving dish, and then the other one is like a little thing for candy. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about uh, food? Is there any sort of guidelines for spending money? Like, you know, my wife is like sort of loathe. She's like, I'm going to Aldi's. Mm. Um, you know, 
She, yeah. she always goes, well, Giant Eagle, that's way too expensive. I'm not going there. And I'm right. like, just go. What are you going to say, know what 30 I like cents? The, you know, well, this is not going to surprise you. But the thing that I think is really worth it, this is not a money expenditure as much as it is a time expenditure. Oh. Is I go to the strip every Friday. Yeah. I like, well, that's a quality I thing like as well. to do my shop. I really like to buy from the people. From the dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like, I like to see – I see Sam Woolley every Friday. Mm-hmm. And he says, hi, Kathy. Thank you for coming in. And I say, Sam, thank you for being here. Excellent. Yeah. And we're both in the produce aisle and we're just you know living our best life. Right. Because local's better. I like that. I really like that. I, so that's something that's a sacrifice of time because it would be a lot easier for me to go to a local grocery store. But we're going to get fresh fish. But like you're not, you're but it's not going to be as good. No. And someone's not, someone's not going to say, hey, Kathy, thank you for coming when right. I walk into my grocery store. I love that Sam Woolley does that. I know. In fact, I was just talking to him, trying to talk him into being a guest on our show. Hey, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from him. Yep. He's a fishmonger. He is a fishmonger. Don't right? you want to hear from a fishmonger on the ride home with John oh, and Kathy? That guy's got some stories. That's right. Do you think he smells? Well, I mean, I can't imagine he smells. I mean, though, I, he's a I do. Fishmonger. I talk to him every week, but he's usually working in the produce section. Oh, okay, but you know, if you're a fisherman, right? You're making your living as a fisherman. You got to stink like fish. And if you're around fish, what about? But the if guys? you're around fish, you wouldn't even notice. What do you mean? You wouldn't notice because you're you're you and you're working in fish every day. You'd notice if you were out in the general population. People would go, "Who's that stinky?" Yeah, fish but you guy? wouldn't notice. Other people would. You don't care what they say. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.